This is Stephanie. And this is Brian. Welcome to episode six of our podcast, The Making and the Remaking of a Codependent Mind. This time, we're going to devote an entire episode to a topic that has come up several times throughout the previous episodes, the topic of shame. Right. And the reason shame has come up so much is because we've come to find that it's really at the heart of what had been keeping the trauma I experienced unhealed, as well as having played a major role in the development and deepening of my maladaptive behaviors we've been exploring. Interestingly, it was a kind of a late revelation for us. Right. We had been reading about and researching codependency and talking a lot about it um, and your experience for a long time before um, we started talking about shame or thinking about shame. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of how this process has gone, you know, just a new door opens and it and and suddenly everything makes just that much more sense. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about what we learned from reading and researching in this area, what we learned about shame, um, how it's connected to trauma, and how it can often wind up being at the root of a number of behavior and interpersonal problems, right. including codependency. Mm-hmm. We like to start the episodes with a, just a kind of look at the terms, what exactly we, we mean by shame, comparisons to other similar words that people use that I think can cause some confusion sometimes around what shame really is and how it works. And certainly if you read about shame, um, most people take the time, which what we're going to do right off the top, is distinguishing it from other emotions that are similar similar and aligned, like guilt and embarrassment. And, and the thing is, all of these things can happen kind of simultaneously mm-hmm. from, the, from the same occurrence, you know. It, but then they, it's, it's what happens after, what you do with those emotions. And they, but these are all separate, distinctive feelings. So let's start with the kind of the two easier ones. Right. Because we've all felt them and we, it's pretty easy to recognize them. That being embarrassment. Mm-hmm. which is generally talked about when we're revealed in some way publicly that we think doesn't look good. And again, everyone's has felt embarrassed. Yeah, every, everyone it's experiences. Between, yeah. It's between your teeth, you know, your, your flies unzipped, um, you forget your lines during a speech. Yeah, it's just kind of like you have an image of yourself in your head and, and, and an image of, of how you think people are perceiving you and something just very benign it can happen that just kind of throws yeah. a monkey wrench in that yeah, makes temporarily. You, makes, you seem, makes you feel silly and uncomfortable and exposed. Yeah. And then with guilt, guilt is more your behavior, your sense that you did something wrong. Yeah. And you might be punished for it or you might feel you should be punished for it. Right. Uh, it's it's a an emotion that arises about your behavior. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can receive it from the outside as well. Other people can think you're guilty and feel that you should feel guilty so then you know then what you do from it from there is like okay is this an appropriate feeling you know uh, Mm -hmm. should i do something about it you know you so embarrassment being exposed in front of the people in a way that makes you feel silly or uncomfortable and the guilt seeing certain behaviors or certain certain action that you've taken as wrong or perceived as wrong Mm -hmm. and then shame takes that a step further and it's 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 a feeling that I am a bad person. Just kind of, it can start from the same thing that the guilt can start from, like I did something wrong. But mm-hmm. now I'm, I'm taking this a step further and going, I'm inadequate as a person. I'm judging myself. I'm a bad person. I might be cast out of 
my family or my social situation, I'm worthless. Mm -hmm. So it's much more intense. Than, it's kind of almost a combination between embarrassment and guilt, yeah. you know, where there's the sense that something's wrong and that wrong's been exposed. But the problem being the, with shame that you feel the wrong is you, yeah, not your behavior, yeah. not that you, you know, forgot a line. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're taking it on. You're, yeah, you're taking it on as part of a temporary part of your personality almost. And it's a very painful emotion. Mm -hmm. Guilt and embarrassment are bad enough. Yeah. Shame is thought of as one of the most painful emotions that we have. So it's an intensely, it's an intensely painful emotion, as you said. I would describe the feelings that I can think of when I think about shame as being this kind of smallness and you know inadequacy and extreme powerlessness. And I think also we've talked in a number of episodes about this nexus between fear and shame they often co-occur co mm -hmm. because if you feeling that you've done something shameful so shameful that you're worthless that you're small that you're undeserving mm -hmm. that comes with it the threat of rejection and being cast out of from your community and again from your your relationships yeah and fear is, a, is an important uh player in shame because there's also a fear of shame <laughs> and uh avoiding yeah, because I mean, it's such a painful emotion. It's such a painful emotion, and and nobody wants to feel it. It's it's just. So one question is what we asked: Why does it exist? <laughs> if it's uh -huh. so, if it's so, it's so painful and crippling. It can be crippling as well, mm -hmm. although it doesn't necessarily have to be. It doesn't need to be right. So, what we looked into is the history of emotions, the evolutionary psychology behind the development of emotions, with the idea that. Emotions evolved to give us information about the world so we could more successfully navigate the world. Mm -hmm. And so it's not necessarily that shame's a bad emotion yeah, or a good emotion, but it's certainly a painful emotion. And pain gives us information about the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about this a little bit when we were in an earlier episode when we were talking about anger. Mm -hmm. You know, I mm -hmm. perceived that as an unsafe emotion, mm -hmm. you know, a, a bad emotion. And so I tried to avoid it. And it's the same with shame. It's and, and, you, or, and you couldn't read the signals that it was giving. You blocked yeah. it. And then you couldn't act appropriately on the information mm -hmm. that it was giving you. Yeah, the action I was taking was to avoid it. <laughs> it it's like your uh, smoke alarm goes off mm -hmm. and you just turn off the smoke yeah, alarm right. rather than saying, right. oh, is there a fire here? Do I need yeah. to address it? Like your first instinct, turn it off. Turn it off. <laughs> I don't want I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to. Um, so... Shame also, as you're saying, like anger, gives us information about the world. So in the right dose, shall we say, it can be helpful, not hurtful. Mm -hmm. So I've certainly felt shame mm -hmm. in my life in that I have done behaviors that I would feel in retrospect did not reflect who I thought I was mm -hmm. or my values. And so I have felt shame just internally or if someone has pointed it out i have felt shame as well but i what i had fortunately for me is i had a reasonable sense of self to fall back on yeah i i knew that that was not the full picture of me mm -hmm. um and i also had the sense that i had some agency mm -hmm. on how to address it e even if it was just not doing the same behavior in the future yeah, and so for me, the, this is where the powerlessness comes in. So since I had this chronic powerlessness mm -hmm. problem, 
I would go into every situation kind of just assuming that I had no way to resolve this. So I would, I would feel shame and it's like, well, that's not, I know, I know up front that there's nothing I'm going to be able to do about this. So I just need to kind of bury it, Mm -hmm. try to avoid it. But really by avoiding shame, I'm not avoiding it. I'm just putting it somewhere. Right. So it's just, it's just adding to these layers and it's compounding itself. So I'm now feeling shame for shame. And, you know, it just, and then fear of shame and then, and then shame for the fear of feeling shame. You know, it's, it sounds awful. Yeah. It's compounding. And I was set up to feel it very easily too. So it, it, right. it didn't matter how it came about. There's a term called shaming. Right. That is where people are kind of actively trying to shame someone. And there could be legitimate reasons to do right. that. So some people, you know, if you're a murderer, if you're a terrible person, <laughs> you, should feel ashamed of your behavior. Yeah. So and when it's people, we all should be calling out people. Yes, calling out. Right. If it's if it's massively hurtful, harmful behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When it when it becomes problematic and the shaming becomes problematic is is when it's really someone is is just kind of being unkind and putting someone down for something really they don't have much control over. Yes, and shame is such a powerful emotion such a painful emotion people like narcissists Mm -hmm. (laughs) but others as well are able to use it yeah to manipulate and control people by triggering it and as you say the most terrible i guess that we shouldn't have a hierarchy of how how bad that action is but certainly it's it's really troubling when you're you're shaming someone for something they have no control over yeah for their body or or their little to know where they talk right right i mean or or just something that is just who they love you know yeah yeah where, where it doesn't matter to the person that's doing it, like really, other than... You no, know, yeah, right. It's not antisocial behavior. It's yeah. not harming anyone else. It, mm-hmm. They just think that you should feel bad about yourself yeah. because you are X or you do X or you look like X. And, and it makes sense, as we went into episode four about narcissis, um, narcissism, that they would use that tactic because mm-hmm. it's it's it, narcissists want to feel superior. And right. so that's a very easy thing to do to just put somebody down shame them about something there, there you can always find something right that mm-hmm. you know about somebody that you want to shame them about but an average person that has a healthy emotional architecture is not going to take that on they're going to say well i disagree with that right. <laughs> so i'm not you know i don't i'm not i'm taking that on but someone like me that's already feeling layers of shame that s- extend back years Right, and was trained as, as when you were a, a child to substitute another person's view of you mm-hmm. before your own. Yeah, because if you if you tried to assert your own view of yourself, then that would then you would have suffered abuse. This is with your childhood friendship that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, your childhood friend who we call G. Um, if you tried to assert your own sense of yourself and your worth that were encountered to his view of you, yeah. then then you would be physically or verbally emotionally attacked yeah and and then you know just to to remind of the previous episode about lack of agency you know mm-hmm. so this the combination of the powerlessness and this lack of agency where i deferred to other people i was prepared to defer to other people at all times i was prepared to accept people's criticism too mm-hmm. and take it on and you know, it didn't kind of didn't matter what it was or or even how it was presented so there's plenty of times that I felt shame 
like we said, that was a signal for something that actually I needed to <laughs> look at it and go, oh, yes, that's, I that need to feel this shame. Yeah, this right. actually, I need to do something. That doesn't align with my values. That's not the person I want to be. Yeah. But instead, it's just like, I, it kind of didn't matter. Someone could be, abusive person could be shaming me. I'm feeling shame. Ah, this, this is terrible. Or a, a, a person that's not shaming me. That's just saying something that's reminded me of something that I'm ashamed of. It feels almost the same. You know, right. it's just like, oh no, I'm feeling shame. I don't want to feel this. I need to put this somewhere. And then of course, like a lot of the other emotions, it puts you into a, a freeze. It put me into that. It put me into the freeze uh, reactionary mode um, to what, and that now I'm, I'm behaving the way I do when I'm in that mode, which is kind of being dishonest or, or being, you know, kind of, frazzled or or and unfortunately that would sometimes lead you like you mentioned dishonesty mm -hmm. that would lead you to behavior that was actually kind of shameful yeah right yeah like, so th there's the whole compound and then you thing. yeah so let, let's talk a little bit more about how you handled this intensely painful emotion mm -hmm. you know as i said earlier kind of when a shame has happened to me and i suspect it's, it's similar for for people um y you do have you fall you process it by falling back on your own sense of self, you know, reflecting, oh, actually, did that reflect my values? Is that mm -hmm. the person that I am? No. Okay. Then being able, feeling, having some sense of agent, personal agency and feeling, well, I have some power to address that, you know, yeah. you know, yeah. it, it's, it, it's terrible when say it happens in the past, you know, that that's a ter terrible Right. Feeling. What do you do about something that you but, still feel But, you know, at the very yeah. least, right, you can resolve it by saying, well, I'm not going to be that person anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm never going to do that again because I don't want to feel that emotion. Yeah. But you didn't have that. You didn't have either right. of those. So you, you, you mentioned freezing. Like, how did you deal with, with shame when it came up? I had this kind of package of, of avoidant behaviors where I kind of knew in the back of my head what kind of things would trigger shame. And one and a big one, unfortunately, was intimacy, being vulnerable. Sure. Um, to other people. Yeah. Because that's the source it, of the shame, ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. People didn't have to be act actively shaming me for me to feel shame. Um, it was pretty easily triggered in me. And I especially knew deep down that real conversation, intimate conversation, was going to lead to something that I didn't want to come out about Ex myself. Exposure. Yeah, exposure. Just feel of feeling of being exposed. Because I think just at my core, I knew there were all these layers of things that were unresolved and and I felt shame about and it was and it was very easy to bring out those things and then now I'm back in shame again and going into like a shame spiral but it's the as you said it didn't go away you just pushed it down yeah even avoiding it was still always there yeah yeah so it's not like you know it, it I'm not resolving it at all all mm -hmm. I'm doing is just tr trying to not feel it um and and there's other ways I you know I had a couple other ways of doing it but I mean, one was self-destructive behavior for, for various points in my life, uh, like abusing alcohol to because it just kind of numbed it a bit. like Temporary relief. Yeah, temporary relief. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it never, never actually looking at, never sitting with the feeling of shame for longer than just like a few seconds or, you know. Well, what, so what would happen when it would bubble up? So most of the time you're avoiding it or trying to numb it, but yeah. occasionally it must rise to the surface. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then how do you handle it? Because it's not right. I had this other kind of technique that I would use. This, you know, it's, it's all, this is all subconscious, automatic unconscious, things. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, all unconscious. But something that we've come to call shame venting, <laughs> where uh, I just would just kind of blurt out 
bizarre observations or something where I'm kind of like trying to resolve something in my head. I, I just, I have this nagging shame feeling. Obviously I don't, I don't know it's shame, but I'm having this nagging shame feeling and someone else is there. And I feel like if I say something out loud that I'll be able to loop the other person in and they're going to help me resolve it somehow, you know, they're going to say everything's fine or they're going to you know, yeah, make sure. you feel better about your situation. Yeah. Yeah. So this would be in the class of verbal behavior that's generally called TMI. Yeah, right. Yeah. You would do TMI. You would uh-huh. say something about your private life that you felt some amount of shame with mm-hmm. to people that maybe wasn't appropriate even to talk about. Yeah, I mean, just not thinking about the audience at all and and how it may affect that person and and what they were what they're supposed to do with this information, mm-hmm. you know. And So and- when you you know, we talked about in previous episodes these two abusive relationships, one with R and one with J you would sometimes kind of shame vent about those relationships, Mm -hmm. you know, tell someone something about their behavior or about your, your, your intimate life or your sex life because you were shamed of all of that. Yeah. Yeah. But then if the person didn't react the way you hoped, if they didn't say, Oh yeah, they're terrible people and you're fine. You're a good person. If they said things like, why are you with this person? Uh You know, why don't you leave? Then the shame didn't work. It didn't work. It didn't work. Right? Because now that, I'm just feeling shame. Now you're, now, now, yeah, so now it's more exactly. like, oh, no, and now it's tamp, but tamp it back down. Like, no, 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 it's fine. Actually, you know, it's not, too, it's not a terrible relationship. I'm yeah. just telling you about the bad things. Yeah, yeah. And uh, another big one I used, uh, because th- there's this thing called uh, shame rage, where someone that is, uh, struggles with feeling shame, mm-hmm. they have to, they one of the outlets that people will do. And this is a common thing with narcissists too. They, they, but they actually act at, <clears throat> act out on the rage. You know, they'll, they'll now shame somebody else or put right, somebody down or whatever, yeah. like to make themselves feel better. Me instead, um, it turned into resentment as we talked about in the previous episode. Because, so I'm, right. I'm powerless. Right. So the anger and the rage can't I be can't expressed it outward. It's too scary. Yeah. You direct it inward. Yeah. So it's it's this very quick succession of I'm having this conversation with somebody. They said something that makes me feel shame. It doesn't matter how, but now I'm resenting that person because they made me feel shame. Right. Right. You know? And then that is, in like we talked about before about resentment, is it's just this kind of passive way of trying to take control in my head, make myself feel better, pacify myself. Mm-hmm. into going okay now it's it's you don't need to feel that shame you need to feel angry at this person for making you feel it mm-hmm. you know i'm not going to look at it i'm not going to actually analyze whether i should be feeling the shame i just i'm going to stop feeling it and then immediately just kind of blame the other person for making me feel it mm-hmm. yeah and we said last episode we thought of resentment as the anger of the powerless mm-hmm. and you see that here as well yeah because because the way you received shame would be similar to someone who was being shamed for something they couldn't control because you felt you could not control yes, anything. Exactly. <laughs> right. So it didn't matter what it could be. Yeah. It, some, something very important that I do need to address. Mm-hmm. And I just like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to feel shame for that because I know I can't do anything about it. And in one very simple example being, like you said, just looking at those terrible relationships I was in, you know, I was carrying shame about the fact that I knew in my heart that those were abusive relationships and I shouldn't have been there. But I didn't want anyone to point that out, you know, and I didn't want to set anyone up to point that out either. So I had to come up with stories, you know, so that's a big part of avoiding shame is telling myself stories 
and then telling those stories to other people, bounce them off people. Like, you know, mm -hmm. mm, that one sticks. Okay, mm -hmm. that's the story I'm going with. And I'm going to tell that so many times that it becomes the story. And it warps my memory. It's everything just gets thrown off. Yeah, we read somewhere, I don't remember where, shame is a binding emotion, which uh -huh. I thought was interesting. That it, yeah, it just sucks all the other emotions to it, and then you can't separate them out. You don't know. Yeah. It, you know, again, the issue of dosage, and you were always just taking massive doses mm -hmm. of shame. It's just an overload, and you, there's no way to get any information now. Yeah, it seems to be one of the biggest mechanisms in why I was unable to separate my emotions and sit with them, because shame was attached to every single one. Mm -hmm. You know, I if, if the feeling of anger came on, I felt shame for it. If sadness came on, I felt shame for it. And then this built-up, unresolved shame manifests in, in these feelings, like I t said before, where I thought I had depression just because I felt depressed, you know, therefore sure. I have depression, you right, know, and right. rather than I have all these layers of shame that I have done nothing with right. and it just gets added to every day. I mean, yeah, I mean, you had good reason to be depressed. <laughs> yeah, sure. Right. But you, you weren't able to look at reasons beyond, oh, I have depression. Mm -hmm. You weren't able to look at your life because it was, there was too much shame. Yeah. I couldn't take in information about the world. So it, it, it led me to to kind of disconnect from the world, uh, this, this disassociation, as, as it's sometimes called. And and then I had other techniques that I would throw in there called uh, something called compartmentalization that we'll get into a lot more in the next episode. So you disassociate mm -hmm. emotionally from the world and from other people to avoid shame. But if, if something gets, if something gets through, yeah, if emotions get through that, the gatekeeper is <laughs> the gatekeeper. <laughs> then you compartmentalize. You put them in, in little boxes so they don't, at least they don't. Yeah, I mean, that's the image, right? It's it's little boxes. You know, of course, it's not that simple. I mean, these these boxes are really just a big giant ball of mess and, and unresolved emotions that I haven't been able to separate. But the compartmentalization being like, I know what to do when that thought comes up. Like, this is how I forget about that. Or this is a story I tell myself when that, when that, particular thought comes up so that's kind of how the compartmentalization worked for me and we'll you know again we'll get into that in the next episode because there the, these behaviors worked across the board i mean i used them for everything you know so even good emotions as we call them which we're not going to actually call put air quotes on the good emotions but so do you have an example where we can kind of see all of these shame driven behaviors happen in your life yeah, I, I have a good example of how, like a progression of of how it can take place. Um, I I mean, I carried shame all the way from that friendship with G that we've talked about several times, the, the origin of my codependent behaviors. And one way I carried it throughout the years was just this overwhelming feel feeling of inadequacy and um, inexperience. And I felt as though I would be exposed. Everyone knew. Everyone knew that I was inexperienced, immature, and all this kind of stuff. And when I met R, the first relationship we talked about in uh, previous episodes, um, I was very vulnerable to that exposure, right? So I felt shame very quickly because, as I said, her abuse started very quickly, and it triggered that. And then I wound up doing this shame venting that we talked about where I, I dumped information about myself in bizarre ways. And she, being the narcissist that she was, preyed on that information and used it against me. 
and then to ridicule you and belittle you for it. Yeah, for those exact things that I was carrying shame for, inexperience, uh, you know, immaturity, things like that. So it's like, oh, he's telling me what I can abuse him for more. Or so less. the shame venting again doesn't work. Yeah, right. <laughs> Gets you into further trouble. Yeah, yeah. Exposes you to more shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what happens then is is now she's using this information. I'm getting more shame added to it, and I am already in this this powerless stance you know I, I was in that stance to begin with but now i'm with this person that's controlling me i'm used to this i know what to do i'm completely powerless now i'm i'm deferring completely to this other person what they their opinion is of me wh- how i'm supposed to think of myself which is supposed to again be a strategy for yeah addressing shame right it's like okay well She'll tell me what to be, and I'll be that person, and then yeah. I won't have to feel ashamed of myself anymore. Yeah, but instead, it's just like, well, I'm not. I can't do that. I, that's well, that you're. Of course, we can never. Yeah, <laughs> we can never match other people's every expectations and needs to us 100. percent So yeah. it, it was a recipe for more shame. Yeah, but right. it seemed. And again, these are these are you were instead of resolving the shame yourself, these are responses, reactions, right. shame venting. Uh, yeah, giving over your you know kind of leaning into the powerlessness. Mm-hmm. This person, okay, this person wants to take control. Fine, they're going to be in control. I so I'm taking it all on, and and now I'm going into these all of these things we just talked about where. And this all happened throughout that the course of that relationship. Now I'm feeling severely depressed. I'm extremely resentful. I don't even really realize that I'm resentful, but I am. I'm angry all the time. Mm-hmm. And then I, I start these self-destructive behaviors. And, and so this, this all progressed throughout that period. And um, it was almost as though I was trying to make her end the relationship. Like that was really my only defense was mm-hmm. that like, I need to make myself so unappealing <laughs> that she just wants to leave, leave right. me alone, more or less. You and know? you were disconnected from everyone else in your life at this point yeah. because you just sucked into this, mm-hmm. the shame of your situation, and which is your whole life at that point. Yeah, it, it's just too much to reveal to other people. And but none of this was conscious, obviously. Um, to any extent that I could do anything about. So I really was taking it on. I really was adding so many layers of shame that I almost couldn't handle it. Well, and this is the terrible thing. You know, if if shame did evolve to cue us into that our behavior is such an extreme violation of our community and our connections to others, that if we continue it, we risk being cast out of the human community. Mm-hmm. So loss of our relationship with others and our connections with others seems to be at the root of shame. So shame is there to prevent us from losing our connections with other people. But what it did for you, because it was such an overload, Mm -hmm. is it did exactly what it's supposed to protect you against. It separated you from really everybody. Yes, that's that's exactly right. Yeah, I felt completely alone in the world when, when that became too much to bear. Yeah. And so, yeah, it led to extreme, extreme depression, you know, suicidal type depression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what, you know, shame can do. That's it. It's a very, if, if you don't know it's shame and you don't know how to resolve it, it's just, yeah, it can be, it can be one of the worst experiences. Well, this seems like somewhat of a depressing point to stop, <laughs> but there is hope because you're now in a situation 
where you can resolve shame. Right. And you the, have... good, the good news is we're sitting here talking to you about it right. from a place of realization and understanding. And, and I'm actually not carrying any of that shame anymore. So, right. And we're going to spend season two um, talking about how you were able to lay down the shame and heal from the trauma. And yeah. But we have one more kind of depressing topic to get through next week. We're going to explore more this phenomena of compartmentalization. Yeah, and just the the topic of just emotional immaturity, kind mm. of overall, and and what goes with that, and um, how that works, and yeah, how it worked, and and then how it made it extremely difficult for me to make any sort of progress. But shame was definitely the backbone of all of that, and why it's so difficult to make progress to begin with is I don't want to feel this shame, you right. know. Well, we hope everyone can lay down their own shame, and we hope everyone will join us for that discussion. You can find us on Instagram or Facebook, uh, searching for Codependent Mind. And if you're enjoying this show, if you could leave a rating on any platform on which you listen, we'd appreciate that. Mm-hmm.